Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Brought to you by MyBookie. Use code SICKFIX for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Marinero, the sick podcast, and what a familiar face we have on the podcast today. You'll see it visually, of course, because the sick podcast, you can watch it on Facebook and on Instagram. Follow us at the sick podcast. She is none other than Joy Taylor. She is sports anchor with the herd and hosts her own podcast. Maybe I'm crazy. What a pleasure. What an honor. Thanks for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you're very, very welcome. And of course, you can listen to us on all social media platforms. And, uh, you know, a lot of Montrealers would love to know your story. I know that you were born in Pittsburgh. And how long did you stay in Pittsburgh for? I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. I lived there until I was 18. And then I moved to Florida. I played basketball, soccer, volleyball, and track in high school. And uh, I ran track my freshman year of college at Indiana University of Pennsylvania, which is about an hour outside of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, and then I realized pretty quickly I wasn't going to the Olympics. So this was going to be a big <laughs> commitment for me to do this all through college. I think I kind of lost my, uh, you know, my competitive edge, yeah. um, you know, as college sometimes do to you, does to you, you know, being college athletes really hard. Yeah. So I ended up uh, leaving and I graduated from Barry University in Miami. So I lived in Pittsburgh for uh, until, until I was about 18 years old. I uh, I grew up playing soccer, and I, I like to tell everyone that it was a back injury. That's the only reason why I didn't make a pro. It's easier to say that than to just say, you know what, I wasn't good enough, and I didn't have the drive. So that's my well, story, back injury. I actually – I played soccer. I loved soccer. I got, I got recruited for soccer and for track and ended up running track in college. But I played in a women's league in Miami after college, and it was a competitive league um, yeah. on Sundays. We had referees and jerseys and the whole thing. Um, and it was a lot of fun, but I ended up tearing my ACL, which I never had any injuries growing up at all. You know, like ankles and shins, you know, normal stuff yeah. teenagers have. But I never had any major injuries. And I, I tore my ACL playing soccer. And that was pretty much the real end of, like, any kind of <laughs> big activities for me. Because when you, when you get injured as an athlete, yeah. you know, it's part of your job. 
to rehab. It doesn't make it any easier, obviously, but yeah. you know, you have top of the line people helping you. You, you know, that is that becomes your job to get better. When you do it as a normal person, you still have your regular job and you have to go to rehab and you have to do all this stuff at home. And I was like, this is not for me. So uh, my my days of running around and competing are definitely over. Let me take a guess on the ACL injury, okay? Synthetic grass. No, it was real grass, but it wow. was a contact injury. It was just, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw Jamal Murray last night. Yeah. Or his ACL. It was the same way. Just planted my foot. Well, he was obviously you know, going up to shoot, but I planted my foot to change direction and it just popped. I wow. actually have a theory about how this happened though. Okay. Um, I want to hear it. Well, one, I, I'm, I, I was getting, I wasn't old. I was 25, I guess. So like, yeah. you know, it wasn't crazy, but I went to a haunted house the night before Okay. at this like fair and it was one of those like not well produced haunted houses, so it was like a little bit sketchy, which is the kind that I like. Like I kind of want to have a little bit of actual fear. If it's too produced, if it's mm-hmm. like Universal Studios, I'm like, eh, I want to feel like something might actually happen to me. I'm crazy. So there's all these, there's this clown at Join the, the club. End. Yeah, <laughs> there's this clown at the end of the haunted house. Yeah, um, that has a chainsaw, like a real chainsaw. It doesn't have the chain on it, but it's like a real chainsaw. So we get to the end of the um, haunted house and my friend just takes off running. Well, I'm not asking questions. I'm going to run too. Like we're, just, we're running now. Like, okay, like something happened. I'm running. So I take off running too. And when I finally stopped running, I'm like, why are you running? And she was like, oh, I got scared. I'm like, we're adults. Like you don't run out of the haunted house. How weird. But my knee started really hurting and like to the point where I like had to ice it when I got home and it was just like this weird buzzing feeling. So I think I tweaked it the night before running from the crazy clown. Oh, wow. In the game, it ended up popping. How scared were you to have that surgery? Because I've never had that surgery. My boys play very competitive soccer. One is 18. The other one's 16. If all goes well, they'll go to Europe here pretty soon when everything opens up. But every time I watch them play, like as much joy as I have watching them, I have so much anxiety because I worry about injury, especially that one. Well, actually, it's it's very common injury in soccer for women because the way that women's hips are shaped naturally, we're just more inclined. It's more stress on whatever this mm-hmm. is on the outside of your uh, legs. So it's a more common injury for women in soccer, the ACL injury. I was terrified. I didn't want to get it because I had never been hurt like that before. My younger brother had blown his knee out and my older brother had had several surgeries, but I was just like, I'm not having surgery. And, um, and my boyfriend at the time who had also had multiple injuries through sports. Yeah. Was like, yeah, you have to have surgery. Like you're 25. Do you want everyone to be able to like run again or walk or do anything? Like you can't just, it's not going to heal itself. Like you have to have surgery. Yeah. So I ended up having it. The surgery itself wasn't the hard part. The the surgery, the, the recovery and like learning how to walk again is is the hard part. And if you're a woman, like for me at least, it was like, you know, you're not you don't you're not gonna eat perfect for a year. So yeah. it changed my metabolism and then you know, I'm five foot two, I couldn't wear heels, which was a big deal for me. Um so it was like it was not a pleasant experience. I definitely you know, for different reasons, but I definitely sympathize when, when people have injuries like that or Achilles and just injuries that you, you know, there's no fast way to recover. Like you're going to be out six to seven months on the short end. If yeah. you have an, have an amazing rehab. And so, there's, and there's uh, you know, there's a couple of stories of professional athletes actually that have one. And then 
they uh, they try and work so hard on reinforcing the leg that they end up tearing the other one or they end up tearing the same one. And, and you know, what they have to go through to actually, it's, it's, it's incredible, really, because the pain, the sacrifice, the suffering, and then you go through it again. There's one soccer player uh, who was at his prime back in 1993, Roberto Baggio, famous for missing a penalty kick, very unfortunately for him in the 1994 World, World Cup final, which took place in the States. But he had seven or eight ACLs to the same knee. Could you imagine? No, it's it's such a commitment. It's yeah. really it's why I really feel terrible for someone like Clay Thompson who went through a full recovery. Yeah. To then only you know injure something else that needs a full another year of recovery. It's it's a lot mentally to recover from an injury like that. The injury itself hurts temporarily. You know when mm-hmm. you when you you know pop the ligament or twist the ankle or you know, that hurts. But man, the recovery is a lot, not just physically, like it's very strenuous physically, but mentally just wanting to be better and feeling like you're ready and just being exhausted with not being able to compete in your body kind of, you know, you feel like it's betraying you. It's a, it's a lot to, to go through an injury like that, you know, watching um, guys go through it when you've had, when you've had surgeries like that, you really know how, how disappointing it can be. She is Joy Taylor. I'm Tony Marinero. It's the sick podcast brought to you by. My bookie use code sick picks for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet win, get paid. You studied in communications. Was it at that point that you knew that you wanted to work in sports? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I always loved sports. Obviously, I played growing up, as we just talked about, and yeah. watched sports. Um, but when I got into college, when I started really studying broadcasting, I started at Barry University at the um, at our radio station there. We had a student radio station. And so that's where I really started to like learn the technical side of the business. And then I got an internship at 560 WQAM in Miami, which is where eventually I would get my first job in the business years later. And I worked on the Joe Rose morning show there. And after that internship, I got an internship with DJ Laz, who was in the same building because I would constantly go over there in the mornings and bug them. Um, so they, you know, knew my face, knew who I was. And then I asked them if I could intern there and, you know, they let me hang out there. So I got a pretty well-rounded, um, you know, internal business education through my internships at those two places on the radio side, because, and now, you know, as you know, so much of sports talk Mm -hmm. is mixed in with culture and social issues and political issues and movies and rap and, you know, uh, shows like we talk about everything it's not really just sports talk anymore because everything yeah. has so much crossover so that's really when i i realized like not only did i want to work in sports but i really wanted to be a personality i kind of saw the business going more towards um opinion uh-huh. because of social media changing so much and because of the way that we sort of covered sports and um you know, LeBron was a big part of that, obviously, because he's a social media superstar and such yeah. an influential guy. And then when him coming to Miami and the big three and working with that, you know, it was just, it was really, um, it, it became really obvious to me, like what I was good at, what I wanted to do, what would make me happy doing in the business. I never really wanted to be a reporter. I had a professor in college that was like, you'd be a great reporter. 
like, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't like digging into stories. Like I want to talk, I want to let somebody else do all the digging and like, let us know what's going on. And then I want to react to the story. And I don't want to have to um, be unbiased. Like I, I hold journalists at a really high regard. Yeah. I don't know how many true journalists there are left, but you know, that's an occupation that I consider, you know, the same level as a doctor or a lawyer. Like I think you have a code as a journalist that you have to remove yourself as much as possible from the story, which humanly is very hard to do, but yeah. we have a responsibility to the public to give them the story. And I didn't want that. <laughs> I wanted to have a little more fun. So that's, uh, that's kind of when I knew I could do this in the way that I wanted to do it. At that point, you're living and you're working in Miami. Now, just want to fast forward for a second. You're on the herd. Where are you living right now? I'm in Los Angeles now. Wow. Yeah, I've been, in, I've been in Los Angeles for the last five years. I was I was I was waiting to hear what you were going to say, because if it was from Miami to someplace other than Los Angeles, I would have said, why are you doing that? But you know what? Los Angeles, I've been there before. There's worse things in life. I have to tell you. Yeah, it's it's been it's been an interesting place through the pandemic. I'll say that. But Los Angeles is beautiful. It's uh, it's it's a little gloomy today, but it's 73 and sunny every day here. Yeah. And uh, I always said I would I would wants to and have been lucky enough to work in either New York, LA or Miami. And I've worked mm-hmm. and lived in two of those cities. So I've been pretty lucky. I particularly enjoyed Santa Monica. Santa Monica was nice. I thought it was nice. The tour of Beverly Hills <laughs> is something that you obviously got to do. So listen, a, a woman working in sports, how tough did you find it then when you started and how tough or not challenging or not, do you find it now? Well, um, I will say there are more, there are more women in sports than when I started. I mean, I started in 2007 is when I started interning in the business. So I I see, I feel like I see more women in sports at all levels. Um, You know, not just radio, um, television, reporters, um, play-by-play uh, executives, you know, it, it, we, we, I, we are making progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say the things that I dealt with when I started in the business, I kind of still deal with now, which is, you know, if you're a woman in sports, you have to always prove yourself. Like, why are you into sports? What got you into sports? I get that question all the time. Like, what got you into sports? I'm like, I don't know. What got you into sports? Did you, did you just watch them on TV and like, like yeah. them? <laughs> and then play them? Like, you know, you, you usually like the team that your dad likes, you know, or yeah. like your mom likes. Like for me, my grandma and my aunts were massive Steelers fans. Like I grew up around women mm-hmm. who were colossal sports fans, like very diehard sports fans. They were in bad moods if like any Pittsburgh team lost. So it was never weird to me to be around passionate sports fans who were also women. But, you know, so it, I think that's like, that's the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are lots of differences, obviously, for a, a man's yeah. experience in this business and that. But I think that that's the base is that when you're a woman in sports, you have to always validate why you're there on, on, on any level. Um, and then it goes from there, you know, well, okay, so yeah, she's into sports, but like, how into sports is she? Like, you're not allowed to have any other interests or all of a sudden you're not really a sports fan. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, well, how, how smart is she? Like, cause she understand the game because she never played in the NFL. Meanwhile, most of the people that cover the NFL and work at the executive level in the NFL have never sniffed a football field um, or the NBA for that matter. Um, 
so, you know, there's just, there's always like a prove it factor at every level, you know, can you host or do you have to be in a role? And those are kind of some of the challenges that still exist for, for women in the space. Yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully we will get away from those, uh, as we progress. Tough for you to get the respect you deserve, I guess, is what you're saying, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a male dominated business and there's a level of misogyny to the business and to, you know, quite frankly, male sports fans mm-hmm. that it's not necessarily a space for women. You know, there's this idea like, Oh, I'm just going to watch the game with the guys and I'm going to go to my man cave and do my manly things and watch the game. And, you know, I want to go golf and I don't want to deal with this. And it's like women's stuff and men's stuff. And I always tell guys, you know, if you watch, a game back when there were fans in the stands, if you look closely, just about every other person is a woman. Yeah. I especially like to point it out at baseball games, but you know, you look every other, almost every other person is a woman because in the world, yeah. almost every other person is a woman. <laughs> so we are sports fans too. And they like going to games. Like we like going to games. We like following things. Maybe it's possible that we have to, you know, watch the game and we also have to take care of our whole family. So, you know, we don't have time to sit around and watch, you know, 10 hours of sports television coverage. You know, I think that there are some, you know, dynamics to life that may influence that, but yeah, you have a, you have to always prove yourself. You have to be perfect. You can't get anyone's name wrong. You can't say it's a a statistic wrong. You can't, you know, quote a rule wrong, or then all of a sudden it's like, you're starting from ground zero with your credibility. Whereas men just don't do not have to deal with that. Now, I've been working sports radio for almost 20 years, and the job is so rewarding, obviously, as you know, but it could be really, really tough. Uh, I can't imagine what it would be like. I know the messages that I get when people disagree with my opinions, and you have a lot of people hiding behind the keyboard, of course. They can get very nasty. They can get very personal because when they disagree with you, they resort to that kind of stuff. I can't imagine what it must be like for you on a daily basis with some of the messages that you must get. Yeah, I mean, I think to your point, so you work in sports radio, yeah. so you know, uh, you know, people ask me, you know, why do I have such a, a thick skin? I think I, I'm naturally a, a thick skinned person, mm-hmm. but I, I think starting in radio really kind of trained me to deal with a lot of the trolls that we see in social media now. Yeah. When I started in the business, we didn't have Twitter at the level that we do now. I don't even know if Instagram existed. Facebook was still kind of new. You know, there wasn't really like this overwhelming mm-hmm. swarm of social media reaction that we have now with everything. And, you know, the Internet obviously was up and running, but like it just we didn't rely on it as much as we do now for everything. And so what we did have in sports radio was callers who were still anonymous for the most part. And we had the text machine. So yeah. the text machine, which I would tell my program director, like, I'm not reading this, this, these texts, like have a producer pull a couple, you know, functionally intelligent texts that we can read if we have yeah. to promote it or something, but I'm not going to have this up reading this constant trash, um, this anonymous, useless feedback, which is mostly most of what it is mm-hmm. while I'm trying to do the show. And that's now become Twitter. So, you know, if you're new in the business and you don't know what the text line is, like, that's what we used to do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. So, you know, I think I kind of had a, a little bit of a, a predisposition to that kind of um, harshness. And I also an understanding, at least from the radio side, that, you know, sports radio listeners are kind of unique because they hate everything you say, but they love the show. 
So they'll listen every single day um, and be very loyal. But every like, you know, 10th thing you say, they agree with. Everything else is like, ah. And then when they see you, they're like, love the show. I didn't like what you said about so-and-so, but I love the show. And it's yeah. like, that's so that's kind of just like, those are our people when we're, you know, your sports radio host. Um, television is obviously very different because it's yeah. just a different medium and people consume it differently. They don't consume it necessarily as consistently as radio because, you know, your schedule changes or you saw it in a bar or you're like, you know, you're working during the day. There's all these kinds of different factors, but yeah. you know, you get, so you know what I'm talking about when you get like those reactions, I kind of put it into different categories. Like at this point in my career, I don't, if I don't respect if I don't respect your uh, your advice, I'm not going to res- respect your criticism. So if you're a random person that couldn't give me an ounce of advice on how to do this job, yeah, why do I'm why am I bothering with your criticism of how I'm doing the job? It's just not good time, you know. So I think it's if you're a public figure in any capacity, you're going to deal with trolls, which is yeah. just an unfortunate reality of the technology that we have now. But you know, I think I like, I like to block on Twitter. Do you block? Oh yeah, I'm a huge blocker. Huge blocker. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't used too. to be. I didn't used to be, but and I used to think it was kind of like an overreaction when people did it. But now I'm like, I just don't care. You know, I'm not going to block somebody for something legitimate. But if you're just on here yeah. like talking crazy to me, there's no value to me. And I I like interacting with fans. Yeah. So I don't want to read that, and it's does it's just serving me no purpose. Like bye. Yeah. I block and then they go through people that I know and they say, I can't believe he blocked me. And I tell them, Hey, it's my social media. If, you know, you're allowed to tweet me and tweet whatever you want, but I'm allowed to block you. Right. Why, why do I have to stay open so I can get all of that criticism and, and all of those headaches and all that stuff. And this, the criticism is okay if it's warranted, but if I'm not going to agree with your criticism, well then I don't have to be open for you to continue to message me. And stuff like that. So anyway. 100%. Well, I think some people in the business feel like it's it's more prudent to mute people. Yeah. So they still don't see it, but they don't know that they're blocked. So they're kind of yelling into the oblivion. But I personally feel like a block is a block is me sending a message to you that I'm done with you. So, yeah. you know, I don't, I, don't have, I don't have a problem with it. Like I will block you and you're just blocked. And now you know that you said something that I didn't appreciate. And so you're gone. And that doesn't make me sensitive. Because you wouldn't say it to my face anyway. You would never say this to my face. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's the sick podcast. Uh, go to sportbubshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and more. Use code SICK15 for 15% off on all of their items. It's a great spot, sportbubshop.com. Uh, eventually, you went on to Undisputed, and from there, you went you went on to The Herd. I've seen a lot of your work. I've listened to a lot of your work. I've watched a lot of your work. And you do fine work, by the way, and that's why I have you on today. But one particular show that took a heck of a lot of courage, I don't want to bring back any bad memories by all means. I just thought it took so much courage for you to do it, and I was watching it, and I was and I was emotional, was when you talked about being a, a victim of domestic abuse. Uh, was that the most difficult show that you've ever had to do since working television? Um. You know, one of the, that was definitely up there. There's, there's been a couple moments um, that it's been really emotional uh, and heavy topics. I think, um, you know, definitely with last year with all the stuff that happened with George Floyd's murder um, and the sports world reacting to that was a very heavy show doing the show the day after Jose Fernandez died in Miami. I was doing undisputed 
Um, so having to talk about, you know, his influence on the city of Miami and his tragic death was a hard one. But, uh, you know, the domestic violence topic, unfortunately, has, has come up quite often. You usually you know, end up having to talk about it once or twice a year in the business for you know, obvious reasons. I actually first talked about it when I was in Miami, when I was doing our morning show there, Zaslow and Joy show, when the Ray Rice incident happened. Yeah. And I didn't talk, I had never talked about it publicly before. And uh, I was, I hadn't actually even initially talked about it when the, when the story came out, I still didn't talk about what happened to me. What I actually chose to speak up was after it was, it was maybe like a week or so into the story. Um, and people were, she was saying that Janae Rice was saying that she was going to stay and people were then attacking her. And I was like, you know, I'm just seeing a lot of ignorance around the topic. Clearly people do not have a good education on what it's like to be a victim of domestic violence, what you go through psychologically with all this. And also there's just not a lot of people out there saying, Hey, this happened to me and this is what's happening you know, to her. And this is why you need to have more empathy when you talk about these topics, especially you know, in our business, as we already mentioned, this is like a male dominated business. And, you know, yeah. it's not necessarily that common that, you know, the men are abused and talk about that publicly. So I wrote a blog about it and just kind of explained what I went through and, you know, what I feel, what I felt like was a good explanation of what Janae was going through and why it's important to not attack the victim mm-hmm. because she's choosing to stay. Like there is a psychological thing that's happening here it's not as simple as like someone walking, walking up to you in the street and punching you in the face. Like it's very easy to hate that person. You uh-huh. don't know them. They just attacked you. This is the, your husband's, you know, this is your fiance. This is the, you know, the father of your child. Like there is a different level of emotional attachment to this person who's just broken a huge boundary with you. So, you know, I, I once I talked about that, then it kind of started to, you know, go around different places and, it was um, it was a lot easier for me to talk about what I had been through. It's 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 kind of therapeutic to you know be able to share your story and you know hopefully help others and educate people on how they can help other people when they're going through that. Good for you for doing that. She's Joy Taylor. I'm Tony Marinero. It's a sick podcast. You were part of Undisputed, obviously a very very popular show. Then still is today. You you made the move to the herd. How difficult a move was that for you, or not? It actually, it was pretty seamless because while I was doing Undisputed, I was filling in on the herd um, quite a bit mm-hmm. throughout the years. So when I first came to FS1, we hadn't launched Undisputed. So for about six or seven months, I was in LA um, only working on Fox Sports Radio on the weekends and filling in on the herd um, whenever Christine was out. So I had done the show quite a bit before actually joining. Now that's obviously a big difference from filling in and you know, doing it consistently five days a week. But yeah. I had, I knew the beats of the show um, and, and the rhythm of the show and Colin and I knew each other pretty well um, up until that point. So at least learning like the structure of the show and how a segment flowed and the breaks and all that like technical stuff that you have to learn when you go into a new television show, mm-hmm. that part I had already like skipped the line on because I had filled in so many times. You know, the, the bigger part for Colin and I was establishing a rhythm you know, and him getting to know me and trust me. And when you have a partner that you work with five days a week, um, you know, you got to kind of learn each other's cadences a little bit. So like, yeah. you know, I know when he's going to stop talking and he knows when I'm going to, you know, take a breath so he can jump in and, you know, you have a conversation that can be understood and 
heard fluently to the audience. So you're not talking over each other and like, you know, little things like that. And yeah. you know, I know his little things, his little quirks and, <laughs> you know, those, those things help do help make a, a really good show. So those were the things that like, those take time naturally. And they came, they came very easily for Colin and I, cause we're, we're very similar in a lot of ways. We're both Capricorns. So, you know, we're just very like routine people and he does a lot of prep and I do a lot of prep and, you yeah. know, we both really care about doing a good show. You communicate with each other throughout the day after the show, exchanging ideas saying, you see this, you see that, or is it, uh, you know, silence for a while? No, we actually, we do a really long prep meeting in the morning. Okay. So we're kind of in a good space time-wise um, yep. because of the, when our show is that, all the stuff has happened the night before that's happened. And we are, you know, aren't having to get up so early that we have to pick all of our topics the night before we have some new reports from the East coast before our show goes on because it's noon on the East coast that our show airs. So we do a prep call from six to 8am in the morning. So for two hours before the show starts. So that's when we stack the whole show and go through and get notes and, you know, pick the topics for the day. Um, and that's, you know, a process of producers pitching and Colin bringing in what he wants to talk about. And then I talk with my producer on how to stack our stories for herd line. So yeah, no, we don't have to communicate throughout the day because we can get most of the stuff done in the morning. How many people you have helping out on the show? We have a pretty big staff. We're, we're pretty lucky in that regard. I have a producer that works specifically with me on herd line. And then we have, I mean, probably around like 10 or so producers that work just on the like actual content. And then there's a whole graphics department. There's a social media team and, um, you know, tape. And we have a we have a really big staff and they do a really good job. About 13 months ago, sports was on hold due to the pandemic. Of course, it went on for months. How challenging did you and Colin and the producers find it to come up with some pretty good content? we were definitely challenged. (laughs) That's for sure. Colin and I never took any time off. We weren't dark. So we just kind of rolled straight through, um, did the show from home and Colin was doing it from a radio studio uh, for about four months. Um, Colin and I are kind of lucky, even even though we do a very long show and then it's three hours. Yeah. We, one at that point, we had done the show together enough that it wasn't so, super jarring for us to not be together. Obviously mm-hmm. it's much easier and much better to do a show together in studio, but we were able to do that with the technology, at, you know, as, as seamless as possible. Um, and Colin is a, is a big theory person, you know, it, it's, he's, he's an outside of the box guy. So it's not yeah. necessarily, our show isn't necessarily reacting to, you know, games and analyzing each individual game. It's more of a big picture show. So that would be, that would be skip. Yeah. No, yes. Undisputed does do a lot of, yeah. a lot of breaking down games and, um, and and a lot of shows like ran into, okay, like what is our content? <laughs> you know, like we can't yeah. do a live betting show if we don't have anything to bet on. So, you know, we got really lucky in that space and that we were able to do a lot of projection also weirdly the the shutdown lined up with the NFL offseason. Mm-hmm. So them having the draft was huge because we could do what we're doing now, which is draft projections mostly, which you know we're doing some reacting to NBA stuff, but like for the most part, most of our show is the draft and NFL offseason. 
Tom Brady was kind enough to go to the <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers and give us lots of content to talk about. Big time. As far as that goes. Yes. Thank you, Tom. Um, there was some drama with the Green Bay Packers and then reacting to the draft got us through, you know, a significant amount of the next few months. The last dance was a lot of like, you know, reacting, kind of going through some old school conversations. We were able to do some longer form interviews that filled wasn't a lot of that, Wasn't that the best thing to watch ever, that documentary, okay. The Last Dance? Like, what, I just feel like watching it again tonight. Wasn't that incredible? Incredible. It was incredible. awesome. And it was, I think it was even more impactful because, yeah. it, you know, since the draft was the last like live thing that we all got to watch together, everyone was kind of watching things and kind of trying to make them into sports. Like, I think that's why the Tiger King exploded the way it was because it was so outrageous and weird and everyone was watching it and talking about it. So like just uh-huh. came like our like fake sport, like our debating about the tiger King situation. And then the last dance came on and it was like an introduction of Michael Jordan to a whole younger generation who didn't really experience the mystique yeah. of Jordan and why we all love him so much. And then we all got to relive those amazing years and that whole story, and 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 because it was spaced out week by week, we could all react to it mm-hmm. and you know, discuss it, and then it brought up other stories and some drama. It was it was really like a great experience. So that got us through some time too. Yeah. We started to get nervous. We started to get a little nervous once the NBA was saying it was coming back, and then they were like, "Oh, we might not come back." And we were like, "Woo! If the NBA doesn't come back, we are going to be in trouble." <laughs> but they did, and you know, it, it, it all ended up working out. I'm Marinero. It's a sick podcast. She's Joy Taylor, sports anchor. Of course, you can uh, hear her on the herd and listen to her podcast and watch her podcast. Maybe I'm crazy, and of course, uh, even if there were no sports for several months, Colin could still talk about Baker Mayfield and you know, and how he feels about him. But I like, I have to ask you, um, and I got a couple of speed questions coming up, but uh, Skip Bayless, I want to get to him very, very quickly. Uh, does he dislike LeBron James as much as it, it appears that he does or that he tweets that he does? And the same question goes for Colin with uh, Baker Mayfield. No, I, Skip doesn't personally dislike LeBron James. I think Skip just loves Michael so much that he is going to defend got him it. to the end of time. Um, but he doesn't, Skip is not really like a personal vendetta against athletes person. Um, so he takes his job very seriously and he is like, he lives and breathes sports. Like it is his entire life. Like he's always watching games Uh no matter what's on. Um, so he is literally a diehard. So he just loves Michael Jordan and with Colin and Baker, um, I think it kind of spirals because of the way that Baker reacted. Um, Because if we're being honest Mm -hmm. and like fair, I mean, uh, did everyone think that Baker was really that high of a draft pick? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, And so Colin said he was undraftable because of off the field stuff and he didn't like, you know, his personality and things like that. But Colin definitely doesn't have a personal problem with Baker at all. Baker's been on our show. I think people forget Baker literally came to LA and was on our show live on set, like pre pandemic, brought Mm -hmm. Colin a hoodie. Like, so they don't have a personal problem. It's just kind of become a thing. And so now whenever Baker does something, everyone runs to Colin to see what Colin's going to say. And then if Colin says something and Baker responds, so it's become a whole thing, but neither one of them have personal problems with either one of them. Couple of uh, quick questions for you. Best in studio guest you ever had? Any show you've ever done? 
as in studio guest. Um, man, there's been so many. Uh, well, in radio, Shannon Briggs was always an amazing in studio guest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he would he would come in studio. Uh, Let's go, champ. Um, and just bring a crazy ton amount of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a great in studio guest uh, on the radio side. I I mean, I could probably be a little biased, but Magic Johnson was pretty amazing. Um, he's one. When I first met Magic, you know, it, there's certain people who you're like you meet and you're like, oh, I get it now. Like, I get why they are so successful. Yeah, <laughs> they just have a an air about them, a confidence about them. A presence. A presence. Came in the studio. He knew everyone's name in the studio. Amazing. You know, he doesn't have to do that. He's Magic Johnson. He yeah. didn't look anybody in the eye, but he knew everybody's name. Um, he would say your name when he talks to you. You know, he's totally prepared. He's given like a measured answer for everything that's going on. Yeah. He, you just get it. Um, he was very impressive. And then I did sidelines for uh, the Seahawks Rams game a few years ago and mm-hmm. interviewed Sean McVay before the game. And Sean is very impressive as well. He has that kind of like presence um, and, and like confidence about him that, you know, really shows why he's so successful at a young age. Uh, your podcast, Maybe I'm Crazy. If you could have your dream show tomorrow your dream interview, all right? Um, who would you want to have on and why? Uh, you can't choose me, by the way. We're doing it already. <laughs> dream interview. I mean, I think I got to I gotta say Michael Jordan, right? Like, I yeah. to, to interview Michael, it's a very rare thing. We don't really get to see a lot from Michael, especially. I think that's why, to your point, Last Dance was so amazing because we just yeah. saw this really raw – um, expression of somebody who it feels very untouchable in Michael. So yeah, if I could get like a, a real like sit down raw interview with Michael and ask him everything everybody wanted to ask about that <laughs> about that uh, last dance, Michael Jordan's probably number one. One of the things you and Colin have done before is that he shows you a logo and you associate a name or a word to it and all that stuff. Okay, I want to play this game with you in ending, and we're going to do it very, very quickly here. So okay. I'll bring up a name, the first thing that comes to your mind, the second I bring up that name. Okay. Shannon Sharp. Uh, funny. Magic Johnson. Professional. Tom Brady. The greatest. Tiger Woods. Um, legend. LeBron James. Superstar. David Beckham. Handsome. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, that's, uh, that, that, that's pretty. Uh, that's fair, I guess. Right. That is. Uh, that is definitely fair. Okay. Uh, the gentleman you work with, Colin Coward. Uh. Wonderful. The athlete you most respect. Athlete I most respect. And um, why? Uh, I'm going to pick two, uh, okay. but I'll start with I'll start with Serena because yeah. Serena is, um, I think, just now over the past few years, really starting to get her flowers for how dominant she's been and what she's meant to 
not just women's sports, but just sports. Like she's, Mm -hmm. she's been so dominant for so long and accomplished so much. Uh, And and her being a woman actually is like a side thing. Yeah. How dominant she is. Mm -hmm. Um, So she, and, and, and the levels of like racism and biases that she deals with are staggering really when you look at how, you know, they cover her compared to how they cover men and how they cover other women in the business. Um, And then LeBron, I have a massive amount of respect for because I, he, he to me is the greatest superstar we've ever had in any sport ever. And I say that because he's been in the spotlight since he was 16 years old and his biggest controversy is that he kind of dissed Cleveland in the decision whilst raising money for the boys and girls club. He just, he said, I'm, I'm taking my talents to South beach. So he kind of broke up with Cleveland in a public way. Yeah. That's his biggest controversy. And to me, uh, being a complete lunatic myself, I, I mean, it's, it's, there's no way like he, I would be a, dis- I, you, it, Olivia Pope could not control <laughs> the PR around me from 16 until now. So the fact that he's been in the spotlight dealing with the level of criticism and praise that he's dealt with for that long, from 16 until now, and be a family man, be an unbelievable representation for the NBA, be an unbelievable community member, the things that he's done for charity, the voice that he's been for the black community. The scholarships. The scholarships, like to have to, to, I mean, the way that he takes care of his body, like he just, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable when you really think about it. Everyone has some controversy, right? Like we talk about Tiger Woods, obviously, despite his greatness. Um, Michael Jordan, plenty of controversy despite his greatness. And it doesn't make them good or bad people. We all make mistakes. And when you're in the spotlight, your mistakes are then amplified. And there's a certain level of expectation of how you're supposed to carry yourself. And I think that the fact that LeBron has done that and has elevated the people around him and those people have elevated him, it's just really, it's remarkable when you think about how critical we are of our stars and the level of star that LeBron is. It's really, really impressive. He's, you know, he's been given the biggest of platforms and with the voice that he has, and he's been able to use it to make change in the world and speak up on huge social issues and stuff like that. And for Black Lives Matter, I think he's done an incredible job, not only on the court, like you mentioned, but off the court. So I think that's a great choice. LeBron James and Serena Williams, those are two awesome choices. As it was an awesome choice talking with you today, Joy Taylor. Let me ask you, and I know you're living the dream, right? You are, but is there still um, something else that you're looking at? Or is, is this it? Have you arrived or you still want to take it to another level? Is there something that you haven't accomplished yet that you'd like to? You know, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I still want to accomplish in the business. Uh, I definitely want to host my own show one day. Uh, I'd like to own my own network. Co-host, co-host your own show. Co-host, yes, us, yes. With, with us, right? <laughs> you got to go from you and Colin to, to you and me, yes. and then you can go on to host your own show, right? <laughs> yes. that'll, that'll give me a reason to move out to Los Angeles. which will Exactly, be exactly, right in Beverly Hills. Um, yeah, I want to host my own show. I'd like to, you know, own my own network one day, um, and be able to, you know, give other people a platform and, you know, it's personal to me to 
leave the business in a better space than when I came into it. And for me, you know, having more power and having a, a bigger platform uh, and having a platform of my own mm-hmm. to provide other people the space to have a voice, um, not just on camera, but also I think off camera and at the executive level, there has to be more diversity in the business. And um, to me, the only way to do that is to be in those positions to make those decisions. So when I am in those positions to make those decisions, I do that and I want to be able to do that at a higher level and a more impactful level. So there's a lot I I definitely still want to do, but I I also take the time to appreciate, you know, everything that that I have right now and the platform I have right now. And, you know, working on the show with Colin is, is amazing, which is why I say he's wonderful. Like Colin is one of the, he's one of the most like professional and like good humans Mm -hmm. to work with. He's just like a straight up family guy cares a lot about doing a good show for the audience. um, Just wants to do good work. And he's been, he's been amazing to work with. I'm so happy to hear that. It's, it's kind of cool to hear that. And you're so good at what you do. Uh, you're inspiring so many young women, of course, to follow in your footsteps and you've set the bar pretty high. So uh, good on you for doing that. And I hope that all your dreams will come true because you still once again have other things that you uh, you have set out to accomplish. Joy Taylor, I hope this was as fun for you today as it was for me. And I'm sure it was for the listening audience and the viewing audience. Thanks for doing this. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. It's a sick podcast. She's Joy Taylor, sports anchor on The Herd. And she hosts her own podcast, Maybe I'm Crazy. I'm Marinero. It's The Sick Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Sick Podcast. Thanks, Joy. Until we do it again next time. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie. Use code SICKPICKS for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet. Win. Get paid.